In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In a recent USA Today poll, 865, get this, registered voters were asked whether they would rather vote for Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, or a giant meteor hitting the earth. 13% chose the giant meteor. This was a real poll, folks. Now, I don't think I need to remind any of us that we are in the midst of an election season. And for the church in America, this season is where it's really where the rubber meets the road because it forces the church to answer the question, how do we live out the gospel of Jesus Christ in our society? Or using the words from our colic today that we just prayed a few moments ago, how do we, quote, not be anxious about earthly things? but love things heavenly. How do we, quote, even now, the colic says, while we are placed among things that are passing away, like this election and many more to come, how do we hold fast to those that shall endure, the colic says. Gosh, what a great colic for this season, right? Here's the thing. In trying to answer this question, the church is often tempted to go in two very different directions, two extremes. Either we go to fear, that is, we run away from the world, we circle the wagons, right? We run away in fear, or completely the opposite, we encounter the brokenness in our world, and in despair and defeat, we fuse with it. Did you get that? Fear or fusion. Fusion is, is we, we, we just give up, and like almost as if we're in a codependent relationship, we blend with the world around us, right? We become enmeshed with it. Fear is one extreme, fusion is the other, but today in, in, in our epistle lesson from 1 Timothy, St. Paul gives us a third way, praise the Lord, a third way, and that is Instead of fear, instead of fusion, there's hope. There's hope in prayer. So instead of cowering in fear or giving up in fusion, we lift our concerns for this world to the Father in hopeful prayer. Let me show you this in the text. The gospel way, the third way, the via media, if you will, of how to live out our identity as the church in this season. Um, I'll show you this in the text. Let, let, let me tell you first, don't we do this every week? Right? This is what's called the prayers of the people. At our 6 p.m. Eucharist on Sunday nights, it's sort of built around accommodating those for whom the Anglican liturgy is not familiar. So uh, a number of months ago this year, one of our parishioners came up who was visiting and said to me, man, Father Josh, I cannot believe that we prayed by name for our president and for our local leaders. And of course, I was like, yeah, we do that every week in the prayers of the people. Earlier this morning at the eight o'clock service in Rite One, the opening of the prayers of the people, you can read through that prayer later on today if you'd like in the Book of Common Prayer. The opening of that prayer actually quotes St. Paul from this passage, which goes, 
almighty and ever-living God, who has taught us to make prayers and supplications and to give thanks for all men. So today, God reminds us prayer is the hopeful gospel way of being the church in this election season. Here are three reasons why. First, from the text, prayer for the world is powerful because it helps us see God aright. Notice in that passage, if you, you can find it in your insert, notice in the text of 1 Timothy how comprehensive and universal our prayer should be. We should offer all kinds of prayer, supplications, intercessions, thanksgiving, Paul says in verse 1, for all kinds of people, verses 1 and 2, because God desires all, there's that word again, to know Jesus Christ, verses 4 and following. All kinds of prayer for all kinds of people because God desires all of them to know Him. In other words, as one commentator said, we should offer prayers as vast as the size of God's heart. We should offer prayers as vast as the size of God's heart. Prayer for the world is powerful. It helps us see God rightly. Now, there's some deep theology in this prayer thing. Because to pray for someone is to love them. You cannot be angry with someone for whom you pray. It's hard to be afraid of someone for whom you pray. It's hard to despair over someone for whom you pray. So when we pray for the world, we are asking God to help us see it the way He sees it, which according to verse 4 is love, through the lens of love. Our prayer for the world is powerful because it helps us see God clearly as the one who loves every human soul, some of whom in just a moment we will, we will say and pray for by name. Here's the second reason. Prayer is powerful for the world because it helps us see the world aright. Not just God, but we see the world aright. Paul mentions praying specifically for kings and all who are in high positions. Now, think with me about the implication of this. If we pray for kings, okay, so kings need prayer. Now, that's funny because kings don't need a lot of things, right? Kings need prayer. There's an assumption in this. The assumption is that there is a greater king who is handling all the affairs of the other kings. Okay, but Paul keeps going. Pray for kings and those in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. So we should pray for the world because of something in us, because God wants us to, to live differently in their midst. What if, brothers and sisters, what if our society heard from us, we love you and we pray for you, some of you by name, every week, instead of we're right and you're wrong. What if they heard from us, we love you and we pray for you by name every week? Tertullian, who is a, a Christian apologist in, in, around the year 200 AD, not many generations after this text was written, he, uh, he, tell, he says this. He's responding, to some, uh, he's responding to the belief that Christians are like this disruptive, rebellious group in society. He says, no way, that's not true. He says, we pray for our leaders. Listen to this quote, Tertullian. 
For we Christians, on behalf of the safety of the emperors, invoke the eternal God, the true God, the living God. We are ever making intercession for all the emperors. Listen to this. We pray for them long life, a secure rule, a safe home, brave armies, a faithful senate, an honest people, a quiet world, and everything for which man and Caesar might pray. Tertullian, second century. In the prayers of the people each week, brothers and sisters, as we entrust to God's compassionate heart our president and other political leaders, we are not only submitting ourselves appropriately to their authority, but we are actually honoring them in love and at the same time acknowledging that there is a higher authority from whom they need help, a greater king. Prayer helps us see God aright. It helps us see the world aright. And here's the last thing. Prayer for the world helps us see ourselves as the church aright. Remember that story in Luke's gospel when Jesus comes to Capernaum and he's teaching and healing in a local house. There was a sick man whose friends cared about him so intently that upon discovering that there was no room in this house, I think the text says you couldn't even get in the door to the house to see Jesus. So these friends, uh, they bring their sick man, the sick man, a, a friend of theirs, they bring him on a mat. They climb up to the roof of the house. They tear open the roof, and they lower the man in the middle of the house so that he can be touched by Jesus. This is what we do for our world in the prayers of the people each Sunday. We are peeling open a roof so that the world God loves and the world we love can be touched and healed by Jesus. Richard Rohr, in a book called Everything Belongs, he writes about contemplative prayer, and he says this, one of my favorite definitions of prayer for the Christian. Prayer is, the, uh, is learning to live in the tension of the now and the not yet. Prayer is learning to live in the tension of a society that will one day, by God's grace, be transformed into the new heavens and the new earth, but which is currently an election year. We are called to be a people who believe that God is transforming not only individual souls, but creation itself. But when you turn on the news, it is depressing sometimes. Instead of going to fear, instead of going to fusion, we are called to take our broken world in this election season, lower them through the roof, and let Jesus touch them. That's what we do in prayer. So it, it makes the church be the church. Um, you know, something happens in Orthodox circles, Orthodox church, where sometimes when you go into an Orthodox church, the carpet is actually a different color here than it is up here around the altar. Because the idea is that here is heaven and here is earth. And, and in the church, in this cathedral, heaven and earth meet. God comes down to us in the bread and wine and the sacraments. We, the church, take the outside world to God. God comes to us. We bring the world to God. We are the friends in Luke's gospel who lower the man in the roof. Through our prayers today and over the next few months, may God help us avoid the extremes of fear and fusion and claim instead our Christian hope through prayer 
seeing ourselves as those tasked with bringing a hurting world to a God whose love is nothing less than world-changing. And all of God's people said, Amen.